On today's episode of Unexpected Hauntings, we have a write-in from one of our listeners. What do you do when you realize you've got an email from a serial killer? What happens when you go across a stranger that looks like they have a menacing grin? More coming up for you on today's episode of Unexpected Hauntings. Stay tuned, listeners. Listen if you dare, as we unfold stories of unexplained happenings and phenomena. Write in at unexpectedhauntings739 at gmail.com. This is where the unexpected and ghost stories are brought into reality. This is Unexpected Hauntings. That's right, everyone. Uh, This is episode 20 of Unexpected Hauntings. Thank you guys for joining. If this is your first time joining Unexpected Hauntings, welcome. Um, We are on, of course, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you want to listen to podcasts from. Um, And we just love sharing ghost stories on here. And we'd love to share your ghost stories as well. Um, And... As it said in the intro, um, just write in or send us a media file to unexpectedhauntings739 at gmail.com. And we would love to get your feedback and your stories as well. So uh, we're doing great with that, getting some good feedback. Um, Today's stories are going to be super creepy, guys. Um, And the last one, I'm just going to tell you, it's not really ghost related um really none of the stories today are ghost related um they're just creepy as hell (laughs) and it's um one of them is about a serial killer um which that's pretty gruesome stuff um also um gonna be doing a story about just coming across a stranger that looks like they could do some harm to you so uh, that with that and also uh, I'm going to be talking about premonitions uh, which is a very very deep topic if you want to go into detail I could talk all day about premonitions but um you know that's just going to be you know just I'm just going to do like a just a little snippet of premonition to begin with um but yeah i hope that everyone is doing fine and doing well during this crazy time with covid19 um and it looks like it's going to be continuing to follow us throughout the end of the year which is a big big shame but um better safe than sorry right so i'm ready to throw these masks out and throw them in the damn garbage (laughs) <laughs> I don't know about you guys. Um, it was actually kind of funny. Um, I found a mask um, that someone was wearing actually at work. And it said, I can't breathe. <laughs> and I was just like, I really need that mask. That mask would be insane to have. Because I work at a factory. And when it's 100 degrees in there with an oven... 
it's hard to breathe. You can't breathe. <laughs> and um, they make you wear those damn masks everywhere in the factory. And it just sucks. It really does. Um, and, you know, the, the people, the nurses, the doctors that are out there on our field, thank you so much for what you do. Um, just wanted to do a quick shout out to you guys because, you know, we couldn't fight this or combat this um, without your help. So thank you so much for what you're doing during this COVID-19 crap. So if you guys have some COVID-19 stories, write in. Um, <laughs> no, but seriously, um, been getting some pretty creepy stories written in. I'm going to be saving for later. Um, later in the year, probably, uh, just because when you're home and you're home alone and, uh, you're just stuck there, uh, you definitely have more occurrences that can be caused with paranormal. Um, so who knows, but we're going to go into this real quick. Um, someone wrote in Shelly. And uh, this was from the haunted house question mark that I did um, of a reading of hers. And this is, was about a premonition. So here we go, guys. It's super short, but um, this thought I would share this with you guys and see what you guys think. But here we go. Enjoy. We moved to Indiana from Ohio just before I turned 10. My father grew up in this part of Indiana, so I spent a few weeks with my grandmother and aunt most of the summers. The summer I was eight, my aunt took me for a drive. We started going up this big hill on a gravel road and started feeling weird. When we reached the top of the hill, I felt compelled to look up to my left there, I saw a crumbling old house, and the thought, I'll live there someday, went through my head. At the time, I thought maybe I would buy it once. I was an adult, but about a year later, my family moved there. I have never had a thought so sure and strong before or since. So, is this a premonition? Yes, um, I would definitely say it is a premonition. Um, and just to clarify what a premonition is, basically it's whenever you have a strong thought about something um, that you think you're going to have in the future, and you do, you end up having it. Um, it's pretty crazy. I've had premonitions about jobs before um, and thinking... Um, that I'm going to work there someday, just driving by a place and just thinking, yeah, I'm going to work there someday. Just having a feeling and a thought in the back of your head. Um, those are very, very real. Um, I don't know what the process is behind it. I don't know if it's um, some type of like um, phenomena behind that. But uh, premonitions are real. I love them. And it's 
it's a crazy thing to think about uh, with premonitions because it's like how could you um, know where you're going to work or in this case know where you're going to stay and live at and like before the fact that just kind of blows your mind and what I think is it could be also a part of your brain that you're using um, that you don't normally use because I think in the human brain it's um, we only use about 45 to um, 55 percent of the brain um, and the other percent we don't really um, use that much so um, and I remember that being said in psychology so um, that could definitely play a part in premonition as well I think um, the scientific part behind premonitions so um, yeah that was just a pretty short story um, from Shelly she wrote in and uh, it was just a continuation of something that she remembered uh, whenever she was going through that story of the haunted house question mark so thank you Shelly for um, for writing in and um, telling us more about stuff that you've come across so yeah uh, we are going to go into the next story and um, this one is pretty wild um, basically it's very interesting so um, it's about online courses um, and one of the teach one of the teacher's students um, turns out to be a serial killer it's very interesting so I hope you guys like this the title of this is I teach an online course in death investigation one of my students is a serial killer enjoy guys Dear Professor, I wanted to shoot you a quick thanks. This is the best class I've ever taken. The latest section on crime scene processing has been particularly helpful. Becky. I rolled my eyes. Submit your work on time, Becky, and you won't have to kiss my ass for a B, I muttered. The local community college hosts a non-credit online death investigation class. I was invited to teach the course when I retired from the coroner's office. It's a great gig and pays well considering the lack of work involved. Tell a couple of war stories, describe a few grisly suicides or brutal murders, they'll love you. The class favorite is my decomp floater, one of my very first autopsies. I barely touched that rotten flesh with the scalpel, and he exploded like an overfilled balloon. He just popped. Bile splattered the walls, intestines sprayed with light confetti. The room became an instant gas chamber. I couldn't stop screaming. I was soaked with foul-smelling juices. The medical examiner couldn't stop laughing. I chewed on my pencil eraser and studied Becky's profile picture, a young girl wearing a red dress 
with a big carefree grin on her face. Blonde curls, blue eyes, light freckles on her cheeks. Pretty girl, but I couldn't shake the feeling that I'd seen her before. Always an unsettling notion for a coroner. I lifted my coffee mug for a sip and I saw a damp ring encircling a picture of Becky on yesterday's newspaper. I gasped and almost spilled the cup. Her smiling face was beneath a grim headline. I scanned the article, Rebecca Schaller, missing under suspicious circumstances. So I had seen the picture before. Becky, your profile picture is supposed to be you. The picture you're using is from the news, a missing girl. This is inappropriate, please fix. I'm no stranger to this sort of thing. These are, after all, kids. Last semester, I had Osama Bin Laden, Jesus Christ, and Eminem in my class. Profile pranks is what the staff called it. A few minutes later, my phone buzzed. It was an email from Becky. Sorry, it's just that I was much prettier when I was alive, lol. The new profile picture was of the same young blonde, only now she wasn't smiling, and her eyes were wrong. She was too white, the backdrop was a cold slab of concrete, a deep unease settled in my gut. You don't spend a lifetime disassembling people and not recognize death when you're looking at it. Those eyes were lifeless. A single white rose was clenched between her teeth. This was a corpse. I tapped reply, but my thumbs hovered over the screen. I didn't know what to say or do. Family says they have not seen Tracy McRae since last Monday. My attention snapped to the TV that was droning in the background. An animated news anchor was gesturing wildly beneath a photograph of a pretty woman in her 30s. A big missing in red stencil was plastered above a woman's photograph. I turned up the volume. My heart ticked up a notch. I've seen this woman before. Those brown curls, brown eyes. Authorities are perplexed by the rash of missing persons reported in the Bogger Township area, and they urge anyone with information to come forward. It can't be, I told the news anchor, firmly. Hmm, Hannah, my wife, asked from the kitchen. Nothing, I mumbled, trying to force the unease from my voice. I'm going to head to the grocery store, she said, grabbing her keys from the counter. Need anything? Police say they have no evidence that indicates these missing individuals are in any way related. No, I said absently. I scrolled through my class list on my phone and there she was, Tracy McRae. I opened up an email, last online, one hour ago. How is that possible? She's been missing for a week. I opened an email. Who are you? Almost Immediately, my phone buzzed. Professor, what do you mean? It's me, Tracy. LOL. The profile picture had been changed. 
It was a photograph of Tracy. Her neatly decapitated head stood atop what looked like a kitchen table. A single white rose sat in a vase next to her head, codulated blood pooled around the severed neck. Ghost white lips were twisted into a soundless scream. Her dead eyes were wide open, still reflecting some of the terror they had seen before death. I've seen that look countless times. Poets and academics love to think of death as romantic. It's not. Everyone has the same shocked look on their face when death comes knocking. You shit and piss yourself. You are the butt of some cop's joke that's helping the coroners lug your smelly body out of your shitty apartment. You end up with a PBJ crumbles on your tits from the coroner that's rushing his lunch so he can finish your autopsy early. You end up as a toxicology report and final death letter that winds up in a dusty filling cabinet with a thousand other letters and you're forgotten before dinner. When my hands finally stopped shaking, I dialed a cop buddy that was still on the force and I hastily explained the situation. He's a homicide detective and a good one. There was a long pause. I know it sounds crazy, Tim, I offered. It's most certainly does. Can you help? I asked. He sighed. Based on the emails you sent me, it looks like the guy is using a VPN. This is going to take some real work. I need to make some phone calls. I'll get back to you. I poured myself a strong drink. I wanted to shoot you a quick thanks. This is the best class I've ever taken. The last, the latest section on crime scene processing has been particularly helpful. What did she mean by that? Particularly helpful. I took a swig, grimaced, and thought about what I'd been teaching these kids. Had I been instructing the perfect murder? Had I been giving them too much information on how to pull it off? A major portion of the course surrounds arrests and prosecution. It deals in problems facing investigators, district attorneys, and juries. I opened an assignment that had been submitted by Tracy McCray's account yesterday. The paper was highlighted the necessity of reliable witness or physical evidence required for a murder charge. It touched on the importance of a suspect confession and how much harder an investigation is when the killer asks for an attorney before an interrogation. I opened an assignment that had been submitted by Rebecca Schaller's account. Becky, two days ago, this paper had been, deta had been detailing the burden of probable cause, the rarity of DNA evidence, and the methodology of corpse disposal. There were even a few paragraphs dedicated to the difficulty of using electronic evidence like an email in a court proceeding. I shuddered. My class is a playbook for any who would be a serial killer. How many of my students were in danger? How many are missing as we speak?
This can't be real, I mumbled. I started searching each student in my class and found a linked news article for a third woman, Gloria Patterson, who guessed it, missing. The article was published six days ago. Against my better judgment, I messaged Gloria Patterson's account, Stop this, please. My phone buzzed less than a minute later. How's the pick? I almost puked from the terror that slammed into my chest. I was looking at my wife, Hannah. It was her college yearbook photo, but it was her. I dialed Hannah's cell as quickly as I could. That's when I heard the soft, muffled ringtone coming from somewhere outside. I crept out into the darkness and followed the muffled ringing. Her car was still in the driveway. The dome light was on. It started to rain, a light sprinkle that pattered off the windshield of her car. Dread clawed up my throat and back down into my guts as I crept closer. On the driver's seat was a ringing cell phone. Her cell phone next to the phone was a rose, a single white rose. Where are you, you bastard? I screamed so loud my voice cracked. My neighbor's porch light turned on. The guy across the street cupped his hands against his window and peered out at me. My phone buzzed in my pocket. Dread filled me as I saw the notification. A new email from Gloria Patterson's account. The name was in bold next to the picture of my wife. Don't worry, Professor. I'll change my profile picture real soon. Probably tonight. Alright, so... Um, very interesting story to the point to where it's... Um, um, a story about them doing a class about serial killers and it's very interesting because she thinks that she might have created a monster and we see this in a lot of horror films uh, with of course Frankenstein and some other films like that where they feel like they have created the monster uh, which really I believe in this case I don't think that she created the monster. I think that the monster was the person doing all of this. Um, she was just giving them information. So, um, thought this was a pretty creepy story because it kind of leaves you on a cliffhanger at the end. And yes, I don't think that, um, that this the professor should have let um, the wife go and leave because um, I don't think that was a smart move because of everything going on and knowing about this should have not let his wife go um, and leave the house because if that was going on I would be like you're not going anywhere <laughs> till I know what's going on with this um, but leaves you definitely in uh, I think that this is that this is such a good story because the very end it just leaves you hanging and it kind of lets you decide what you want the end to be 
Um, and uh, to be honest, really, I think that his wife died. I think that um, the professor's wife was was one of the victims at the very end because they found the rose um, and everything. And I'll get to the end. Um, says that, don't worry, professor, I'll change my profile picture real soon, um, probably tonight, meaning that um, the professor's wife is already dead. So, very spooky and creepy uh, story for today. Um, I just love stories like this that just kind of mess with you a little bit and um, kind of dig under the, under the skin, you know, um, gives you the goosebumps. So, um, really, really good story. Thank you, Paul, for writing that in. Um, and the next story... It's going to be um, a story about hearing scratching from inside of a truck trailer. Um, this person tries to investigate it, and it goes terribly wrong. Um, so, here we go. It really doesn't have a title. It's kind of just written out into a sentence. So, um, yeah, this should be a, a pretty spooky story as well. So, here we go, guys. Enjoy the story. I've always been interested in the things most people consider either not non-existent or unexplainable. Anything occult, demonic, alien, or some horrid mix of them all. For me, this is more than a morbid curiosity. Since childhood, there are events in my life which... I could easily lend these descriptors, events that I can only believe were most likely caused by the impossible. What happened to me this week, however, I know for a fact was something otherworldly. After a work shift in the city, I decided to fill up my car. It was late, and so there would be no one at the station. I pulled up into the next pump, my headlights illuminating the darkness between me and the store. Enjoying the solitude this time brought me, I went about filling my car. The only other vehicle at the station was a large, articulated lorry. I noticed that the driver was sat in the cab, but I could not see from where I was whether he was asleep. I did not have to wait long, as he excited and began to walk towards the store. I still struggled to see him, until he got close enough for the electric lights of the store to bathe over him. The man was middle-aged, and his clothes were scruffy. He had very little hair left, and was bridging the gap between chubby and overweight. His smile was the worst part about him, though. Before entering the store, he turned to look at me. He held a large smile so wide it looked like it hurt. He kept it for the whole time he spent staring at me, occasionally turning the cheek his lorry. Uncomfortable barely even describes how I felt. 
Some relief came when the man finally entered the building. I placed back the pump and closed the cap on my fuel tank. And I repeated over and over in my head about how I would be home soon. The reason I came late at night was to get away from people, especially people like this. On my way to the store, I began to feel a strange sensation in my head. It wasn't pain, but more like an aura. I had heard stories from friends who had felt things like this, and it usually followed with tales of suffering at the hands of a migraine. Luckily for me, this wasn't a case of a developing migraine. It was something so much worse. I began to hear a noise. Even now, I'm not sure what it was. It was wispy and light, and I'm surprised I even registered it. I turned into its direction and found my eyes resting on the large vehicle that was now unoccupied. I have always had a morbid curiosity. As I've told you, you need to understand that to understand why I approached the trailer of the vehicle. I was desperate to know whether there was something off about the lorry, or whether I was hearing this in my head. The tone of the noise had lowered slightly, and I began to realize that it was, it was whispers and crying, not wailing, but very light sobbing. It sounded as though there were people all around this trailer, whispering indecipherable sentences to each other while others wept. I could see no one. Even as I stood next to it, the image of the driver and his ominous smile swirled around my head with these invisible people growing louder. I almost fell to my knees in the darkness, my senses overloaded despite there being no one here at all. Seconds later, there was silence. I could hear my quickened breathing and feel my blood rushing, and that was all. Having calmed down now, I pressed my ear to the trailer. There had to be something responsible for those noises. There was no noise, but still I began to worry. It began apparent that the driver must be returning soon, and I didn't want to be spying on his vehicle when he did. I decided that the noises were in my head. I lifted my ear from the trailer and began to wrangle with the implications. Nails on a chalkboard. That is the best way to describe the sound I heard as I began to turn away. Horrible scratching sounds that only continued to grow in number. I felt repulsed. My body physically cringed from whatever darkness was inside this trailer. I pressed my hands to my ears, and at this point, I decided to run. I would hear so many of them. It was like dozens of little fingers frantically clawing at the inside of the trailer. It was so clear I could even hear nails breaking against the metal. I felt my heart begin to race, and it started getting harder to breathe. What kind of cargo was this? What was the man keeping in there? I had no intention of finding the answer to these questions. The courage I had on approach to this trailer had melted away 
My safety was all that I was concerned with. I turned to leave and I almost collided and fell over the man stood behind me. I managed to stop myself and my eyes rested on that unforgiving smile. Are you okay? You look awfully worked up. His smile breaks only enough to deliver his words before returning. I somehow managed to place some words together. Whoa, 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 whoa. What, what are you keeping in there, man? He looked at me quizzically, like I had asked a stupid question. Food. The trailer is carrying boxes full of food. What do you think would be in there? It just, it just doesn't sound like food. I let out a weak smile of my own. It didn't work on him. I assure you, there's nothing in there, just food. His smile had begun to fade away. The aura overcame me strongly again. This time, met with a large dose of dread. I felt the weight of his boots on the ground with every step he took towards me. I mustered up all that I could and ran towards my car. In my mind, all I could hear was the sound of the terror inside that lorry and the boots of the drivers quick behind me. I got to my car short of breath, sure that he would be right behind me, ready to grab me and force me to join whatever torment lie within his cargo. He instead remained, stood by the cab. He hadn't followed me. I didn't think about it for long. I was quick to get into my car and leave. He watched me get into my car and his gaze followed me as I left. One final glance in my mirror and I could see that he was directly behind the car as I pulled out on the empty road. He let out a wide, overbearing grin. Well, I'm glad that um, she was able to get out of there. <laughs> um, I certainly wouldn't have stayed that long. Um, but curiosity gets the best of you. What can I say? It gets the best of everyone. Um, and who knows? It could have just been a harmless truck driver. But um, I'm just curious to know what was in the cab of that uh, truck because food would not make that noise unless if um, migraine was you know acting up and was playing games with um, with this person's uh, head um, but what was really interesting though was the grin the menacing grin and you can tell too um, on people's attention intentions by their char characteristics, um, and it looked like to this person that the characteristics were not good at all, um, menacing grin at and everything, um, and uh, by the sound of it, looked like sounded like. Um, the person looked really sketchy. Um, and, you know, 
this goes with, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover. You know, he could have just been um, driving for days doing his job and, uh, you know, didn't look tip top shape, you know. Um, But, yeah, let me know what you guys think about that with the scratches and everything. I would love to hear you guys' feedback on that. Um, That would be very interesting to know what you guys think about that. So, yeah, if you guys have anything, any input, let us know. Um, Email us at unexpectedhauntings739 at gmail.com. And uh, we'll get back on this uh, if you guys have any more comments. But thank you guys so much for um, joining us on this episode. This uh, story is going to wrap it up for us. Um, I know the episodes lately haven't been so long. And it's because um, we're just mainly focusing on um, working on doing more uh, episodes for October and the Halloween episodes. So we're really excited about that. Uh, I'm going to be doing something with um, kids. And it's going to be interesting because I've never done a kids um, episode before. I'm going to be doing that for my sister. She's a teacher. So they love ghost stories and stuff like that. So I'm going to do a kid-friendly episode for them. And I might actually, um, if it goes well, I might actually put it on here as well. So if you guys want that, and if you guys have kids that love ghost stories... I'm going to be doing a kid-friendly episode for Halloween. Uh, I'm going to be really, really excited about that as well. Um, And if you're wondering, too, about the the point system for uh, how much you donate, I still haven't figured that out yet. Um, And, uh, yeah, all that's in the works. So thank you guys again so much for tuning in, and we hope to hear from you soon. Whether it be writing a review on our Apple Podcast or Spotify or sending us a ghost story through our email, unexpectedhauntings739 at gmail.com. Our ghost podcast could not be possible without you guys. So thank you for spreading out the word and letting everyone know that we're here. Have a great night, guys. And as always, stay spooky, listeners.